and welcome to the first episode of Talent Talks, a new podcast series brought to you through the cooperation of the Talent City Government, the City Centre New Arrivals Council, and the City of Talent as part of the Talent City Centre for New Arrivals project. This project aims to connect with Talent City residents who may have moved here from abroad in the past few days, weeks, months, years, um, and provide news, insights, and information about what's going on in the city in English every month. We're your hosts, Chantal Rowe and Emily Keel. We're both expats who moved to Talent in the last few years, and we're super excited to be part of this project, both to be helping you all connect to your new city and feel more like a local and to be coming on the journey with you. Each month, you'll find out what's new in the life of the Estonian capital, meet interesting people who will share information about upcoming projects or events, and we'll look in at getting to know the different neighbourhoods of Talent a little more closely. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Lennart Sunja, who's the head of the Department of Culture in Tallinn, talking about the upcoming Tallinn Culture Summer and the events we're likely to see unfolding as summer finally arrives in the capital. But first, let's start off with some local news. And let's start by talking about Tallinn Day. Some of you may have seen the mention of Tallinn Day recently, which was celebrated on May 15th. This was the 20th time this day has been celebrated. And it marks the day where, in 1248, Tallinn gained Lübeck city rights, an admission to the Hanseatic League of European Cities. You might have no idea of what I'm talking about. Highly paraphrasing here. Gaining Lübeck rights means that a city was considered self-governing and self-administered, so not tied to a lord, for example, a bishop, a duke, a king, but rather governed by a council. Being part of the Hanseatic League of European Cities meant being part of a confederation of merchant and market towns, starting in North Germany in the late 1100s and spreading along the Baltic Sea and Northern Europe, which provided a commercial and defensive confederation that lasted until it started to diminish after 1450. There were a number of events between the 10th and the 16th of May, including a parade of street sweepers, an orientation game around the city, and exhibitions at the Tallinn City Museum. But in particular, over 5,000 flowering plants were added to Tallinn City Space, a city where green spaces are already constitute up to 30% of the city. So for example, green fingers from North Tallinn were busy on Padiski Road, and flower beds were built along the Pirita Beach area. And flowers were planted on Palasti Bridge in Lasname by the president of the Rigikogu, Yuri Ratas, Mayor Mihail Kolvat, and District Governor Vladimir Svet. They planted flowers along with the locals. And as one of the most important goals of the Tallinn Green Revolution is to preserve and support biodiversity, there was a focus on pollinating plants, with an insect trail created connecting several districts, starting from North Tallinn and running as a green river to Hiu neighborhood. Sounds super beautiful. And next, an update on a topic that many of us hold very dear to our hearts, cycling in Tallinn. The Tallinn City Government has developed solutions that create more than 16 kilometres of safer lanes and routes for uninterrupted cycling through the city centre. This work is planned to be completed in June, ready for a summer of cycling, with the goal being to redistribute the existing road space and create simple solutions that don't require large-scale design or construction work. So including nearly four kilometres of bike paths across the city, including main routes such as Narvamante, Parnumante, Gonsiori and Estonia streets, improving and extending existing bicycle paths in the city centre by five kilometres, changing the existing arrangements to reduce cars to one lane in certain places and open up dedicated cycle lanes on the roadway, which will be separated for safety by bollards, 
redistributing sidewalks to share space between pedestrians and cyclists, and actually changing the traffic management. So for example, lowering curbs, creating better markings on the roads to make the streets accessible to cyclists. And stay tuned for more light traffic projects coming to the city this year, which include even more new cycle paths, such as on Posca Street, the second stage of the light traffic road connecting Filtrate with Kadjog and Ulamista Common Terminal, the first stage of Panumante to Villandumante light traffic road, and the second stage of Villandumante light traffic road, which will connect to Yarravanate. I'm super excited for these cycling changes to be made and to feel more safe cycling in the city going forward. Celebrating another Talna, last Sunday, Chris Lee Melesk absolutely wowed us by becoming the first Estonian woman to reach the peak of Mount Everest and the fourth Estonian ever to summit. After summiting Denali in June 2019, Chris Lee decided to target Everest in 2020 and use GoFundMe.com to crowdfund to cover the costs of her training and travel. The 35-year-old summited in a group of 13 climbers and reached the peak in good weather, able to spend about 45 minutes admiring the view from the top. We'll be watching for what she's going to combat next. Right. And although we can't believe it's nearly June already, June the 1st is Children's Day, and to celebrate, the city is waiving the entrance fee for anyone up to and including the age of 19 to Tallinn City Museums, Tallinn Zoo, and Tallinn Botanical Gardens. Not only is it my birthday on 1st of June, uh, you could also explore their exhibitions at the Fortifications Museum or the Children with Green Thumbs exhibit open in the garden at Mia Miller Children's Museum, teaching kids about gardening and green thinking, alongside a photographic overview of the transformation of Kadrog in Arvo Iho's exhibition, Changing Old Kadrog in the Cafe, Foyer and Outdoor Terrace of the Museum. You could see the 160 different types of irises alongside peonies, apple trees, magnolias, rhododendrons, lilacs, and even more at the Botanical Gardens while playing a game called Botatica. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you could also visit the newly reopened Jan Segi Pavilion, currently featuring a photography exhibit called the Isolation Dialogues, where 130 photographers exhibit work detailing their experiences with isolation over the last year. I'm sure that that's something that all of us can relate to. Or you could hit up the Tallinn Zoo, which promises a science theatre with colourful flames and elephant toothpaste, believe it or not, uh, theatre workshops, quizzes, puppet shows and late night excursions for children. I'm just wondering if I can use elephant toothpaste myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, something that will be information useful for all of us, uh, we have a quick update on the COVID vaccination situation in Tallinn. On May 17th and 18th, two new vaccination centres opened in Tallinn. One at Mustamai Culture Centre, supported by West Tallinn Central Hospital, and expected to make 810 vaccinations per day. And one in the Tondiraba Ice Hall, supported by East Tallinn Central Hospital, which will aim to administer a whopping 1,200 vaccinations per day. And you must have a booking to get vaccinated. Bookings can be made on your health portal, so digilugu.ee, where you can get the opportunity to choose your preferred vaccination brand and an available time. Both centres are open Monday to Sunday from 9am to 8pm, so there's absolutely no excuse to find a time. You cannot register to be vaccinated if either you're in active self-isolation, for example, where you've been traveling or been in close contact with someone with COVID in the last 14 days, or if you've actually had COVID within the last six months. Some important things to note. 
If you're somebody with a history of allergic reactions to medicine, or if you're currently pregnant, you should check first with your family doctor before you register to be vaccinated. After you've had your vaccination, you're probably able to stay in the waiting area at the center for 15 minutes. Emergency medical personnel are on hand just in case somebody has a reaction or doesn't feel well. So you're well taken care of. Chantal, I'm wondering, have you already had your vaccination? I did. I had my vaccination at the Mustame Center last weekend, and it was very easy. There's a dedicated English-speaking desk, people with little uh, British flags, I think, on their badges, and you're directed immediately to an English-speaking desk who help you check in. Uh, my vaccinator was English-speaking, and I was given all of the information um, directly in English, and I was in and out in three minutes. So it was very, very easy um, and a really pleasant and clear experience. That is music to my ears because I'm actually getting vaccinated tomorrow morning. Well, there you go. And I was super surprised um, and like very pleased how easy it was to just register on digilugo.ee. And I got, I was in the waiting queue for quite some time, but you know, I'm going to be vaccinated within 10 days. The turnaround is absolutely amazing. So Great. kudos to the health board. So our first ever guest on our podcast, we're here with Lennart Sundia, um, who is the head of Department of Culture in Talents Culture and Sport Administration. Um, he's here to talk to us about Talents Culture Summer and also how the virus situation affected your initial plannings. So Lennart, let's kick off with um, what are some of the events that will still be happening over the summer despite the current situation? Well, I think, uh, well, first of all, I must say I'm honoured to be your first ever <laughs> guest, so <laughs> glad Thank to be you. here. Uh, but uh, of course, we're happy to see that, uh, you know, we're slowly opening up and, uh, and uh, many of the events uh, planned are still taking uh, place uh, and uh, you know to, to mention a few the medieval days in uh, mid-july or uh, or the traditional birgitta um, music theater festival in in august they are still you know trying really hard to to pull off a, a full-scale international <laughs> program wow. <laughs> although you know ha having uh, 200 guests from Krasnoyarsk Theatre from Russia is uh, <laughs> is challenging, but uh, but uh, yes, hopefully hopefully uh, the culture life uh, for this summer will still be uh, very colourful and, uh, and and useful. But I must say that of course for many uh, private organisers, uh, you know, the last two years uh, have been devastating. So from the Tallinn Culture Administration point of view, we are actually uh, organizing this year uh, consciously a little bit less uh, and to give also more opportunity for the private organizers to, to do their work. Great. And how, have we, uh, how will we see a shift of maybe indoor events pushing to maybe outdoor events over the summer to be more kind of safe or future proof uh, against future pot potential restrictions? Well, I think, uh, well, Estonian summer is short, so uh, <laughs> it's the best time to have uh, outdoor uh, events. Uh, so everybody will uh, use this uh, opportunity, but also during uh, this uh, COVID restriction time, I think, uh, you know, many cultural institutions have uh, figured out uh, some ways to still be uh, active and be available for uh, for the Tallinners. So, uh, you know, I know the City Museum has organized uh, outdoor walking tours and uh, all, all the virtual programs, uh, etc. But 
you know, hopefully in uh, in July and August, uh, the outdoor events are uh, are are you know able to uh, able to allow uh, more participants today than today. Uh, we are happy that uh, our city theater is uh, performing again, and our uh, orchestra can perform again and of course the visitor numbers are limited at the moment but it's better than nothing yeah it's going to be an experience like no other for sure to experience these kinds of events for the first time since the lockdowns happened all across europe 100 percent. i am very excited about talon restaurant week which is coming up i think on the 11th of, of june mm-hmm. um i very much miss some of the restaurants around the city yeah. so hopefully seeing them open up with terraces and outdoor areas to celebrate the week mm-hmm. will be um will be great mm-hmm. And uh, well, the first uh, actually uh, next week, the on the third uh, of June, I think the Tallinn Old Town Days will announce uh, their program. Uh, usually, it uh, happens in June, uh, but uh, this year it's from 12th to 15th of uh, August. Okay. And uh, well, they will have a lot of outdoor uh, events, and it's uh, you know they it's actually I think they're. They're having uh, 14th anniversary for the Italian Old Town Day, so it's uh, special. Wow. Yeah, definitely. I, I also love how you can be wandering around parks in Tallinn and sometimes there are just the strangest things happening. Like when I walk to work through 2V Park, I've seen people doing river dancing there. And when I first arrived, there was Usmailem uh, Festival um, as soon mm-hmm. as I arrived in my neighborhood. So it's really nice to see how people are still running things off their own back and making the most of outdoor space and parks in Tallinn, for sure. So we also wanted to ask you about what you're expecting from tourism this year. So do you think that the tourist industry will bounce back? Of course, it's been a special time for, for many of us who have experienced all time without tourists, but we would love to see those streets busy again. So what do you think summer will look like this year? Well, I'm not too hopeful. I think uh, <laughs> this year is still going to be uh, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think it's also good in a way that, uh, I mean, for many, uh, like museums, for example, I think the Fortifications Museum and Kick and the Kirk, and they were actually uh, uh, overcrowded with uh, tourists uh, over the last year. So wow. many of the local people uh, didn't even, you know, maybe want to go there or, or especially avoid the uh, summertime. So it's now good that uh, the, those museums can actually turn their attention to uh, local uh, residents. So. And have we seen a lot of domestic kind of tourism within within Estonia? A lot of people coming in and experiencing events in the city that may, uh, to your point, have stayed away from Tallinn in the summer previously. Yes, well, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, we have had the restrictions, so even right. the local tourism, uh, you know, hasn't been able to compensate for the loss of uh, international tourists. Uh, if you, you know, if the museum is closed, then even if you have the uh, people from other parts of Estonia wishing to visit, it's not possible. But but uh, yes, I mean, I think the uh, uh, certainly the uh, uh, the local tourism has uh, has grown and uh, and there is a lot of interest. So uh, uh, and we don't see it only in Tallinn. That's what other uh, festivals and uh, and cultural institutions in, in other municipalities in Estonia tell the same story. That you know, there's m- more 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 and more people are traveling because they're not able to travel so easily abroad so the local tourism is is more active 
great. And I think upcoming, we're actually going to see some campaigns or some special programs coming out to encourage people to travel to uh, to Tallinn and experience the city. So stay tuned on visittallinn.ee for more information about upcoming uh, programs that will be happening to encourage kind of domestic tourism and help Estonians or people in Estonia experience Tallinn. Yeah, I think that that's very much needed because often a lot of my colleagues, you know, you see the reverse happening. A lot of people go to their country homes rather than like come to the city. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to see that uh, the city is actively organizing these campaigns to encourage people to also come to Tallinn. Um, so as this podcast is um, run by us as expats <laughs> um, and we talk a lot about how we can better integrate into the city, for example, we wanted to ask you about how uh, the Department of Culture has um, incorporated the growing community of expats into their activities. So how you accommodate for this vibrant mix of culture that like the IT industry, for example, has brought a lot of immigrants like our population of expats is now around 40,000 people I believe so yeah how do you incorporate this change into activities well I must say I think there's uh, still uh, a lot to do and there's a lot lot of p potential because uh, you know this uh, this community of expats it has been growing lately uh, so big so uh, not all of our institutions are been able to uh, catch up uh, but uh, I know that uh, our library and our museum are actually uh, working on it and generating ideas, you know, what kind of special programs uh, they could offer to expat community. And uh, I think it's very important and to have this opportunity for the people who come to live and work here to get the chance to better know also about the history of uh, where they live and work and of the place and uh, of the people and the customs and traditions. So uh, we are certainly not uh, yet there where we would like to be. There's a lot of work ahead, but uh, we uh, fully uh, recognize the importance of this uh, new aspect of uh, work we have to deal with. Sure. And what are some of the biggest challenges you've had in organizing uh, the events over this summer? So I'm sure it hasn't been easy to kind of mobilize people, mobilize uh, artists, for example, but what are some of the challenges you guys have been working through in organizing a great summer for us? Well, I guess it's the uh, the international aspect is the most uh, challenging and, you know, the ever-changing uh, conditions and uh, regulations. So, I mean, just an example, in uh, mid-Jule, we are supposed to organize the traditional tall ships races uh, here in Tallinn. It's, uh, you know, the biggest uh, sail training uh, event in, in the world. So normally, uh, when this event has taken previously place in the Baltic Sea, you know, it, it attracts over 100 uh, tall ships and uh, the, you know, over 3,000 3, uh, trainees on board. Uh, so this, this is what was supposed to happen. <laughs> uh, but uh, now we are in a difficult uh, situation because uh, Finland uh, just uh, a few days ago announced that uh, their borders will still be closed for foreigners until uh, at least uh, mid-June. Mm. So... Uh, well, that would mean that, uh, you know, if all this uh, fleet arrives to uh, Turku or Marienhamn, 
nobody would be able to uh, get to land and it's, it's <laughs> impossible to organize an event like that. So now we are actively together with the uh, Sail Training International organization trying to figure out either alternative routes, alternative dates, wow. uh, you know, everything. It's, wow. it's supposed to happen within <laughs> a few days, but uh, there's so much uncertainty and, uh, uh, well, what we have decided is we will definitely have uh, mid-July 16th to 18th of July uh, some some kind of a maritime festival because we have a tradition of uh, Tallinn Maritime Days mm -hmm. yeah. for, for many, many years. Mm, and uh, even if uh, Finland uh, drops out from the races, we are uh, still working on trying to organize a... Uh, Mini uh, mini races between uh, Poland and uh, Lithuania to still be maybe cool. able to attract 2030 uh, tall ships. So you know, instead of tall ships races, we might get uh, small ships races, <laughs> but but it's still better than nothing. Great. Yeah. Oh well, good luck. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the look is needed for sure, <laughs> but we will be keeping our eyes on the seas. Um, so the kind of events that we've spoken about, where can expats like find the most information about these upcoming events that you've mentioned and preferably in English? Well, in English uh, online, I think it's the best place. Uh, Visitalin.ee uh, is where you can find the information in English, but also on Facebook and events. So. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. We really, really appreciate your time and everything you've shared with us. And I'm wishing you all the best with your organization because we are very excited for the, spending the summer here in, in Tallinn. Thank you for inviting me. So for our second guest, um, we're here with Vladimir Svet, who is the head of Lasnamai district government. And really the goal here is to zoom in on different parts of Tallinn um, because as expats, not that much takes us really out of the city center. And we really want to learn more about neighborhood uh, communities and especially as like Tallinn's largest residential area is Lasnamai, of course. So thank you so much for joining us um, today and being here with us. Um, so the thing that we want to start with is to you, what is the heart of Lasnamai um, and how has it changed from when you grew up to here now? Well, um, hello on my behalf and, uh, <laughs> from, from our hill. Well, um, if you look uh, at the map of, of Lasnamai, you could actually discover the center uh, of Lasnamai. It is uh, the sub-district called Tondiraba and I think a lot of people have been there not actually acknowledging that they are in the heart of Lasnamai. <laughs> uh, it came to be that uh, nowadays um, it is filled with uh, shops and different services like Bauhaus, like <laughs> uh, the, the big mall uh, Lasnamai Centrum, but mm -hmm. also the uh, tennis hall by Tallink and also by various uh, smaller shops. And uh, uh, there is a big gardening uh, center called Hortes. And um, uh, in future, and maybe we can speak about it later, uh, the biggest park in Tallinn will actually be si situated wow. in the heart of Lasname in wow. Tondiraba. So um, this is the geographical uh, heart. Uh, but I think for um, every person who have ever lived in Lasname, his own sub-district is, is his own like uh, heartland of Lasname yeah. because um, uh, actually, a lot of things that are maybe a little bit not very understandable for a person out of Lasnamä, 
they are very domestic for a person who lives there. So mm -hmm. I have lived in the eastern part, and uh, like all, all the, the majority of services and places I would go and and places I would uh, spend time, uh, they were somewhere around there. So uh, I would say there is no one actual center point of Lastama for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, it all depends on on where you you have lived. It all depends on uh, with whom you have uh, hanged out. And uh, for example, for people uh, living in Mayaka, mm -hmm. which is the western part of Lasnama, the oldest part of Lasnama, uh, Lasnama is not Lasnama actually. For <laughs> I, I mean, they they see that they have not actually been living in this nowadays Lasnama district. Okay. And for people living in in the Soviet time built Lasnama like me, people from Mayaka are not from Lasnama. This is something <laughs> okay. something very different. But if you look at the history of the district, actually it, it totally makes sense because uh, the the Mayaka Sikupili part where you can today find architecture very similar to Kalamaya and to uh -huh. Usmail. Uh, like, you know, wooden houses, two, three yeah. um, floor houses. So uh, it's it, it's the old Tallinn in, in, in a uh -huh. way that it has been there for uh, something like uh, 150 years in, in well, different, mm, different ways. Uh, but uh, it has been a part of the city for a long time in a classical way. Mm -hmm. Now, Lasnama... Uh, everybody thinks about when they hear Lasnama, this Soviet time concrete uh, mm -hmm. sure. uh, concrete empire. Uh, <laughs> it, this has been built um, during the Soviet times after 60s, mainly in the 70s, in the 80s. And um, it, it shows that actually Lasnama is not one. Mm -hmm. It consists of very different parts. These parts have different history. Um, they are populated in a different way, uh, and in even some sub-districts, in some blocks, you can even find houses that were dedicated to people from certain uh, Soviet time enterprises, if you can mm -hmm. call them enterprises. For example, there is um, a part of Lasnama called the Red Village. It's, a, it's an informal uh, way of uh, naming it. It's the Likuri Street. Uh -huh. And Likur in Estonian means engine, and engine in Russian means dvigatel, and dvigatel was the name of the biggest factory ever built on the Estonian soil, still in the Tsar times, in in the uh -huh. times of the Russian Empire, and it, it became even bigger during the Soviet times. So it was stretching throughout the uh, Petrburi Mante the road uh, towards uh, St. Petersburg or towards Narva, mm -hmm. put it the way you like. Uh, <laughs> and um, so this this huge, uh, huge enterprise, huge factory, uh, they had their own blocks built all around the city. For example, in the center, it's Lastekodu Street mm -hmm. uh, with the, 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 the Italian Kremlin, if you know that, on the crossroads of Livalai and Tartumante, uh -huh. the, the corner house with the, uh, the five-edged uh, star on its oh, uh, roof. Right, yeah. So it was built for the leadership of this factory. Wow. Uh, and in Lastame, we have an entire block built for people who were working there. Mm -hmm. It was built from uh, from red... Um, uh, how do you call it? Bricks? 
Bricks, yeah, from red bricks. <laughs> it was built from red bricks, so uh, we call it uh, uh, Red Village, Krasnaya Derevnya. But it's Likri Street, which means Dvigatel. And I mean, when I say big factory, I mean uh, thousands of wow. workers, maybe at the peak times, more than 10,000 mm -hmm. people. So, um, Lasname is very different, and it is hard to understand this difference but when you understand it all becomes quite actually quite clear and interesting and what actually led to that kind of expansion of what we see a lot of so you mentioned the 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 soviet building high-rise apartments was it for example population expansion was it a project of the government to kind of create a community or create these areas in a in a certain way what actually led to that well um i think you could have more than two answers, but I think the most uh, most popular ones would be, uh, on, on the one hand, it was a result of the um, increasing industrialization due, mm -hmm. during the Soviet times, which was connected to creation of new factories, uh, of uh, new enterprises of different types, not only in Lastame, and they all needed uh, housing for people to, to live somewhere. On the one hand, on the other hand, um, you could say that uh, this was also a project of uh, making uh, Estonia um, more binded with the Soviet Union at mm -hmm. that times, with bringing here a lot of people from outside, with bringing here um, factories that uh, weren't aimed actually at uh, uh, dealing with the local demand, but with the overall Soviet Union demand, so, right. uh, w which leads us to the fact that they were actually too big, too enormous, too monstrous, you could say, to, you know, to be successfully upheld in the independent Estonia with no uh, Soviet market to, to provide. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think this was kind of a logical thing to do from the uh, Soviet uh, regime times, because it basically happened all over the Soviet Union where there was the demand to make increased industrialization. But there is also a funny thing about that because at the time when uh, creation of these kind of blocks like Lasname, Mustame, Uisma started, the level of housing in the um, in the Tallinn city as it was at, at that time, it wasn't actually really high. Mm -hmm. And people who were living in the old town they were actually wishing to get an apartment <laughs> in Lastame. Wow. I know people who were uh, getting an apartment like maybe in, eight, in 1988, 1989, 1990, yeah. and they were like totally happy <laughs> because uh, in, in the old time you, you had no normal water supply, the electricity was always problematic. Mm -hmm. uh, the planning of uh, the houses was, you know, like they planned in the medieval ages and how they rebuilt it, just as it happened. Uh, there was always the problem of um, temperature during the winter, uh, mm -hmm. of uh, the problem of fresh air during summer. And so somebody tells you, now you can get, you know, uh, uh, f three flat apartment with you know uh, with a nice planning uh, in a nice neighborhood uh, with everything provided and in a few years it it, it goes totally vice versa yeah. so at that time I think people looked at it in a little bit maybe different way yeah so Lasnamai was really like the place to be uh, until until certain time in the mm -hmm. 90s 
And I think for from a few years back, it's it's again like this. Yeah. Last time I is totally the place to be now. Yeah. Especially it's nice. a place to buy an apartment, of course. Okay. <laughs> I'm wondering about how like the architecture was built. Like, do you think that the community that's there now, because you've talked a lot about these like smaller parts of Lasnamai, these smaller communities, like do, the way that Lasnamai was structured, is that still how like the community is centered now? Is it fostered like smaller pockets of communities there? Well, I think more or less, uh, even more. But uh -huh. Yeah, I think it, it, it actually is because um, how we live, with whom we interact, mm -hmm. how we build up our day-to-day uh, -to -day, uh, social life, it very much depends on the, um, on, on the space we live in. Yeah. And when your home space is designed in a system of blocks, blocks or, or sub-districts or communities, you, you could name them, um, then you are, you know, like naturally bind to this kind of community. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, for a person living in Kuristiku community, uh, I have a lot of friends from Kuristiku community. My Parents are living in Kuristiku community. It's the Kichnu streets, Linnama streets, Lanamere streets, if that tells you something. <laughs> so um, for me, like my friends were living there in a, mm -hmm. in a great amount. If I would be also going to school there, I think I could say that 80% of my life would be in that district, more or less. Wow. But I was going to school in, a, in, in the center, so I, I'm like last time a center boy, you could, you could tell. <laughs> um, but um, I think today it shapes a lot. It shapes less than it shaped uh, before during the late Soviet times in the 90s. Um, and, but, and I think if we look at the historical part of last time, uh, the Mayaka Sikupili or the Uslin, Uslin is the part of Lastma situated near the Valga Street. Mm -hmm. It's almost Kadriorg. If you look at the price of the square meter per apartment, it's totally Kadriorg. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, there you could see a much more stronger community, mm -hmm. maybe because these sub-districts are smaller, but also because they do not have such a, you know... Um, clear structure that would be planned on a city plan and then built yeah. out. They were emerging during history with their own way. Great. Um, so as a foreigner who doesn't know a lot about and is exploring different parts of Tallinn, um, my experience, obviously, as you kind of touched on before with Lesname, is I've been to Bauhaus. Um, I've gone and got some plants from, from Hortez. Um, <laughs> But I feel every time I drive up there or go there, I feel like I'm missing something. So I feel like there's something there, either maybe an art, artist community or a foreigner community or a music community that I, I, I can't touch on or I haven't understood as that part of the city. What are we missing not being kind of residents of Lasname and what should we go up and, and see in Lasname to really get a sense of the, the community? I think uh, it is very difficult to name uh, one activity or one thing to do in, in Lastame. Though I, I like the way you pronounced Hortes. When you say <laughs> Hortes, it, it sounds really proud, you know, like something very Spanish. Exotic. Piracy, very piracy. Exotic. I have <laughs> this, these kind of things in mind. But um, I think Lastame is about open space and it's about walking. Mm -hmm. uh, because the, the whole idea of the district um, was in a way that the cars should be in their lanes 
and people should be in their lanes. If you look at the plan, you could see Lagna, Lagna Street, which is like the channel, as we uh -huh. call it today. Uh, the big street, which was actually um, like digging inside the limestone. And Lasname is actually, uh, it's like a, a mountain of limestone. If you uh, accept that Estonia has mountains. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> hill, if you want. Um, so... The Soviet plan was that there should be not only just Lagnate, but their plan was to build Lagnate, a second very similar road that uh, was to be called Rahu Street. Rahu means um, world and peace. In Russian, it would be Prospect Mira. World and peace is uh, the same word in Russian. Ah. So, and this Rahute, it had to be like sort of a, uh, a sibling for the Lagna Street, uh, which was at that time Oktyabrska or October Street. You know, for certain reason, the October uh, has played in the history of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. uh, and between them, there should have been the so-called Green Belt, Uh, that would be a um, like an ultimate park uh, that had no streets on it. That would start with Kadriork and end with Piruta River. Hmm. And the good thing, the good news about this big uh, monstrous project, in a way, that the Prospect Mira has never been built. This mm -hmm. Lagna sibling, but uh, the territory for this road has never been um, sold by the city and nothing has been built on this territory. Right. So the corridor for this road is potentially there. And the green belt has also never been, uh, you know, occupied by housing. So this idea of a park from Western to Eastern borders of Lasnama mm -hmm. is actually in place. And it is being wow. brought to life by the city today. We all already have the most eastern part done. Yeah. We call it the Tondilo Park, which is now, I think, the longest park in Tallinn, uh, in, in a way that the length of the park. Um, and this year we are, um, we are going to open the second stage, the central stage, which uh, is situated in the heart of Lasname, in Tondiraba. Uh, it will be the biggest park in the city uh, with all kinds of, you know, ways of um, spending your free time and playing and making sports. But at the same time, it's a unique place because Tonziraba means um, the swamp of ghosts, actually. Not wow. something very friendly. <laughs> wow. And it was a swamp or a bog. And this bog was actually used to uh, mine peat there still in the 1940s, okay. after the Second World War. So it's a bog with, it's a bog on a limestone, you know, hill, which <laughs> wow. is actually a unique thing if you would ask any uh, geologist or uh, <laughs> an, a nature person. And it has uh, quite a number of different ecosystems that are unique for Estonia. Some of them maybe even for Tallinn and um, It will be not just a park, you know, to, to spend free time with your family. It will be a park to see different types of environment coexisting mm -hmm. in the same place, all bind with this 
strange and maybe controversial history of Lasname and what it had been before the Soviet times, when okay. there were smaller villages, smaller cottage houses, when limestone was being mined there, uh, turvas was being mined there, and the whole place had a different reputation. So uh, the name Tondiraba or like uh, Bog of Ghosts or something like that, something. I think that uh, should give you a hint that uh, Lasname was a cool place, you know, even yeah. before the Soviet Union. We know how Estonians love their bogs, for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, so we know that you were actually, you're now governor of Lasnamai, but you were previously the governor of the city centre, actually. So, and that was, it was part, a big, your motivation to start this project, which we're doing this podcast with. So we wondered what actually inspired you to like start the Tallinn City Centre New Arrivals Council. Actually, I think uh, to thank is not me, but uh, Svetlana, uh, who was my colleague at, the, at that time. She was working for the uh, registered department of the um, district government. Yeah. And uh, she was dealing a lot with the foreigners because she was also the youngest and uh, maybe uh, the more um, like open-minded of her colleagues who were very experienced uh, public officers uh, dealing with the public register and uh, uh, we we seldom talked about how to work with the English-speaking community of Kesklin because uh, we had the feeling that it is growing and it is emerging as a community. And um, from these kind of discussions and, and uh, lunches that we had with Svetlana and other colleagues, there um, spiked an idea that maybe uh, we could, uh, working mainly with Estonian and Russian-speaking communities, mm -hmm make at least some uh, simpler steps, uh, you know, towards uh, the uh, expats living in the city center. And so, uh, as Svetlana was quite good on Facebook, uh, we had an idea that she might uh, start to manage this kind of a Facebook group. And then a lot of uh, things started happening uh, around this initiative. Uh, now I know that there is a project uh, with the Ministry of Interior uh, aimed at... Culture. Now it's Ministry of oh, Culture. Oh, okay. At my time, uh, the project <laughs> was, was with the Ministry of Interior and that's, now it's culture. So uh, the, the point being is that it all started with a small... Uh, not very costly initiative yeah. uh, that aimed to contact with local people with whom we felt we had actually no contact. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, I'm, I'm pleased to see that uh, <laughs> uh, that this thing is growing bigger and the community is growing bigger. And uh, uh, I think you're doing quite well without me. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that could uh, lead us to the conclusion that uh, thanks to Svetlana and to other active people in the community, this whole thing is happening. I think it was ju just a matter of time and we were in, in the right place uh, in the right time. Yeah. Nice. And I have to ask, how did it feel for your district to feature, obviously, so prominently in, in the movie uh, Tenant? So, you know, the, the, the beauty of Las Name has gone out to the world in a very exciting way <laughs> and a very dramatic way in that film. Well, I, I think the, world dra the word dr dramatic is the right word because sure. if you ask uh, what things are associated with Lagnate today, for people, I think Tenet would not be the uh, number one thing. Uh, it would be the uh, the crash that we had last year yeah. where uh, several people died and mm. it was really shocking for the community. And 
I mean, in some way, it sort of, you know, links it with the Tenet film because the motive of Lagnate was also around, you know, chases and cars crashing and so on. Street race, yeah. So um, there is something, I think, cryptic about this um, connection. Of course, for anybody from Last Name, it was, you know, it was a pleasure, uh, undescribable pleasure to see your own hometown uh, on the screens, uh, on the big screen by Nolan with all these guys. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Washington, Pattinson, yeah. and Jan Uspult, an Estonian famous actor, being one of the truck drivers, or I think, oh, oh no, he was the policeman, I think. Yeah. Uh, either the policeman, either the truck driver, I don't remember. He was also there together with them. Um, I think every uh, Tallinn resident uh, who was watching this film, uh, we, we weren't actually watching and, you know, focusing on all this time reverse entropy blah 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 not understanding <laughs> this Nolan's ideas we were like oh 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 that's that's our Kumu has become an airport and <laughs> wow. and now Lagnate is connected to Parnumante if you look right. at the at the movie and now they're in our tram and now they're in Mariame so yeah it, it was it and now they're in the harbor you know when they made this uh blue red um uh, room over over going through time and shooting the uh, Didiki's character. So uh, it was really cool, and um, uh, we can feel that there has been some kind of a um, spike in interest towards Last Name as a filming site mm -hmm. because uh, after Tenet, we just during this year, I think we have got three or four different um, movie shots taken in Lasna Man. They wow. are being taken today. I mean, literally today, these days. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a movie connected to the protests uh, in Minsk, in uh -huh. Belarus. Uh, wow. In Belarus, or how do you name it now? Uh, and they are filming the suburbs of Minsk, actually in Lasna Man, in Mayaka. Wow. Of course, the, the movie itself is not about the protests, but some. I think there is some kind of maybe a love story uh, on, on the background of the... And the, the, the protest is on the background. So, uh, and the movie is shot with one shot for an uh, hour and a half. So wow. this is something quite unique for, uh, for, for cinematography and it's an Estonian-Russian uh, cross-border project. We mm -hmm. still don't know what, what is going out of it. And it's not the only thing. Like a few months ago in Lasnama, we also had the um, uh, Finnish presidential palace um, something like uh, hijacking filmed in Lastname as wow. well. Yeah. Wow. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that uh, Tenet has brought a lot of attention mm -hmm. to Tallinn um, like in, in the way of a place uh, to have really, really unique, different uh, locations in one place mm. with uh, quite a safe environment and, uh, uh, you know... Um, um, reasonable prices, I would say, like that. Yeah. I think it was one of the first times I felt like a local of Tallinn when I said, you can't drive from Mustame to Lasname in 30 <laughs> seconds? What is happening here? Exactly, exactly. And I thought, I yes, I'm finally a local. Yeah. And you cannot drive backwards on Lagnate. Right. Yeah. That, that is true, yeah. It sounds like we're going to be sitting in some Estonian cinemas then spotting more locations in the future, <laughs> some exciting projects coming up. Yeah. 
Um, so thank you so much for joining us today, Vladimir. It's been so interesting to zoom in on Lasnamai and hear some more about the plans and the work that you have um, going on there. Uh, the last question that we would then ask is like, where can we find out information as experts about what's happening specifically like in Lasnamai? Would you have any advice for that to try and attract more of the expat community to go there? <laughs> well, I must admit that uh, we don't have any uh, good English uh, material at the, at the, at the time. Mm -hmm. um, that is being updated uh, on a daily basis and I think your question is actually not a question but sort of call to action <laughs> yeah. uh, we have a small expats in Lastama group but it is just have started to grow and created by some local activists cool. and uh, we have a project called Lastama Museum uh, it is not a museum actually but it's um, a program that aims to spread uh, the facts and the stories about Lastama history and today's Lastama. So I think it's just a matter of time when we start doing that in English as well. Yeah. So uh, keep tuned, uh, follow us on Facebook, Lastama Linno Savalitsus and uh, I think in time we will start pr producing our content in English as well. And you can always address us in English, we know that language. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, and we'll be actually posting all the links for everything that our guests have mentioned during this episode. Um, so you'll be able to find the places uh, which have been recommended to us today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you and good luck for our expat community. Thank you. And that's a wrap on episode one. Um, we'll see you in a few weeks in June when we can further explore what summer has in store for us in the city um, and think about, maybe reflect on some of the activities that we've talked about in this episode. But until then, stay dry in this beautiful Estonian springtime. Thanks so much.